0: This is Growth Decoded to Go, a podcast from a show that helps you grow your business by figuring out the customer experience, one piece at a time. We do this to share our findings with you, wherever you are. Because this podcast is only the audio portion of the show, there might be some references to visuals, but don't fret, because we've included links to the video version of the show in the podcast description. All right, let's get into it. Ahoy there, internet, and welcome back to Growth Decoded, the coolest show I have ever gotten to work on, even if it means talking to a plant. Whoa, whoa, j- just kidding, buddy. I'm your host, Ernie Santarelli, joined as always by my Chlora-fantastic co-host, Plantasia. When you've got customers, it's good. When you know your customers, it's great. But when your customers know each other, well, that, that's something special. They even have a word for that. It's community. A community around your business is invaluable. When your customers are growing and learning from each other, and you're the connection between them all, everybody wins. And for Andrew and Pete, the founders of Atomic, a community of small but mighty businesses, the community is everything. When you're an entrepreneur, or you're starting your own business, it's tough. You've got a lot to figure out by yourself, and you don't have the security or support of coworkers or teammates the way that you would if you worked at a bigger company. I mean, there's a reason they call it going off on your own. It can be lonely. You have questions, challenges, things that you wish you could talk through with someone. And when you have success, well, there's not too many people that you can share your wins with. Now. This feeling isn't limited to just small business owners or entrepreneurs. It's true for most things that you set out to do or accomplish. Maybe you're learning to play the guitar and you just learned the difference between a major and a minor bar chord. You wanna tell people. And you also wanna ask someone who knows how to make it a major or a minor seven. That's tough. Maybe you're learning how to bake and you just absolutely crushed a homemade puff pastry with over a thousand layers of butter in it. Who can you tell that actually understands that achievement? And who has a good recipe for chocolate croissants? This is where community comes in. But how do you build a community? Well, that's where today's guests come in. They're Andrew and Pete from Atomic, a community of small but mighty business owners and entrepreneurs looking to earn more and do more of what they love. We are joined now by Pete and Andrew, founders of Atomic, the uh, what would you say the, the leaders, the creators of one of the, the largest marketing conferences in the UK, AtomicCon? That's us, yeah. And at one point, uh, in a study, were named one of the top hundred marketers in the world.
1: Yeah, yeah. Woohoo
0: Welcome <laughs> back to South Coda. Thank you for stopping by. And Thank hey, you for it. having Thank us. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, before we kind of get into this whole conversation thing, uh, can you tell us a little more about Atomic, about your story, how you got there, how you
1: it. Yeah, sure thing. So we set up our business fresh out of university, so it was 10 years old last year, so we set up in 2011. Congrats on that. Thank you very much. Thank you. And yeah, it started out as a marketing agency. And over the years, it morphed into more of a community of small business owners. And we have a membership full of amazing small business owners. And together we talk marketing, we talk sales, we talk business growth. And yeah, we have a massive um, conference called Atomicon that we run every year, where everyone gets together, and it's a big party, it's a big celebrate, it's a big celebration, and yeah, it's fun. That's awesome. Yeah. So okay, this this transition from like
0: into a community, mm-hmm. from I'm, how does that work? Did was that like a thing that you were aiming for? Is that a thing that just happened organically? Like what what's the story there?
2: I think building a community was always our goal because it's 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 a as an entrepreneur like, you're often quite lonely so if we can have all these people that are going to be there to encourage you and cheerlead for you and support you and help you then you know that's a really really great place to be and not only is it beneficial to them but it's it's great to have an audience but if you have a community like that opens up whole new worlds and that's how you create like massive super fans and if you do something like put on an event everyone wants to be there not just because we're doing it but because they want to see each other and the value of that is incredible and that's what we wanted to harbor and that's something we've done very proactively to encourage people to get to know each other so the difference between an audience and a community is basically they know each other Mm. in that in that community and I think sometimes in digital marketing what people forget is like it's not just about you. Right. You know, it's a lot of people are like, hey, I'm so awesome because of this, or I'm here to teach this, I'm here to help you. And we do that. We're here to help people, but also everyone can help each other. Yeah. Everyone's got so many different insights and that is like unparalleled value just right there. And if you can tap into that,
0: then everyone benefits. I, I love that. The difference between the audience and the community is when they know each other, so is that something that, like how do you how do you promote that? Did you always have that idea, like you were going to have, you know, whoever the, your customers were, whoever the people you were working with, it's like, oh, you should know each other as well? Or like, how does that
1: Yeah, happen? no, exactly. It's like we're not just waiting around for them to get to know each other. It's like every day, every week, every month, like we are thinking. We've got this community, like, how do we ensure that more people in this community know each other? Mm. So we'll test a lot of stuff within the community. We'll see what works, what doesn't work. We'll try new things. We'll keep them on our toes. We'll do things that surprise them. We'll do things like events. We'll do things like meetups. And, yeah, we didn't just wait around, did we, for, like, people to get to know each other? We tried to introduce as many people as possible in lots of different ways. We would, we would, you know, shout out other people's wins. Okay. We would encourage
2: them to share more about themselves, because if they share more about themselves, it encourages other people to be a little bit more vulnerable, and that's when the real magic happens. And other people start to feel so comfortable yeah. that they can kind of share all this. Um, and we'll do, we'll do stuff to encourage that, like we'll buy them pizza. <laughs> you know like if they share like we, we had a, a post a while ago it's like win of the week so share something like big or small like what have you done this week which is like you no know, even a little tiny win yeah and you know we did a raffle draw and someone that very day won a pizza delivered to the house that's
0: awesome for the family like where are they sharing this? Like when you say share the win of the week, like Ooh. is that what What kind of platform are you using for that?
1: We're in a Facebook group at the moment. Okay. So yeah, our community lives inside the Facebook group. We have looked at building our own. I th- and I think there's pros and cons of keeping it on a platform like Facebook versus like building your own. Sure. I think for us, it's great because they're all using Facebook already. Right. So it's great for people who... I've just joined the community. It's really tricky to get people engaged, like straight away off the bat. So if you can build a community on a place where they're already hanging out, yeah, great. Obviously there are downsides to that as well. And it is something that we don't know if the community will always live on Facebook. It, it might be something that we build ourselves eventually. But for now, Facebook's working for us. Awesome. So, have you found like since the the development of this community and the you
0: know engagement and the way that they're talking, like what impact has that had for Atomic? Is it is it leading to more people like knowing it, about you? It, like, what you mean? It?
2: it means more people talk about Atomic as a community and not just about us, which is great. You know, it's like you need to be a part of this community, uh, which is really important. And it, it means that people stay longer. It means that people talk about us more because they feel more secure and loved and happy in in the community as well.
1: I feel like a big realization point for me was when we first did Atomicon for the first time, Mm. people were just as excited, if not more excited, to meet each other for the first time as they were to meet us for the first time. That's awesome. They were like running past us to meet friends that they'd met through Atomic. (laughs) Yeah. And... Like would Atomicon have been that as successful without that? Probably not. It's like they all wanted to come, yes, to learn, but also to meet each other.
0: So you're not just offering like the services that you're offering, but there's like this added experience, this added Yeah. This thing. I don't I don't even know if you could call it an experience. I feel like it goes beyond that. It's like an entire I mean, I guess it's a community, right? That's the word. But it just it just seems It's like- so
2: much more extra value. Like it's it's uh as something that they belong to. Yes. It's almost like a part of their um, persona, like who they are. Like they are a small but mighty atomic business. And hey, you're a small business owner, you should be a part of this community. Like it, it gives them a sense of, it gives them something, you know, yeah.
0: a belonging. Yeah. So, so when people are coming in um, for the services, you know, uh, wh- what do you typically see? Like, what are what are the common things that uh, small business owners or, or entrepreneurs are coming to you to to figure out or to learn more
1: about? They want more sales at the end of the day. Like, they want more sales. They want to grow. They want to grow. I think they want more income. They don't necessarily want more
2: sales. Actually, the funny thing, oh, <laughs> you say that. They think they want sales. What they really want is more income. Right. Um. And we find businesses typically at three different levels, like number one, they're not actually getting many sales. they've got a service idea, let's say, mm-hmm. but they're just not getting many sales and maybe it's because the offering isn't quite right or they're not being proactive with the sales. Uh, they haven't got like the audience yet and you know maybe the sales pitch is not great, sure. something like that. And then they get to a stage where they're actually busy. This is like the second stage. They're busy with one-to-one client work. But to make more money, they have to work more, and they don't want to do that. So they have to come up with a scalable offering. And so that is a whole new challenge. It's almost like starting your business again, right? Because all of a sudden, you have to offer and come up with a new package. And you don't know if that's going to work. And, and a lot of people fall into the trap mm. at that point of trying to do like a membership or a course. But what they haven't actually done is built up an audience to buy that yet because they've just been so busy with client work. Mm. So what they really need to do at that point, they've got some income. They need to outsource more. They need to keep raising their prices. They need to work less on client work and use that time to build an audience build an audience. And test and validate a new service offer. And then you've got the third stage, like the people who have managed to pass that and they're like, they've got a scalable offering, right. but like, they just need the systems, the processes, the team, and maybe even a new offer to take it to the next level mm-hmm. so that they can like step out of the business a little bit more um, and keep growing because they have more of an executive or ambassador role rather than they're in the business doing it. So they're, they're like the three main stages we see for small business owners, like one month
0: small team, micro business owners. Yeah, awesome. That makes a, a ton of sense. Um, and I like the, the idea of thinking about like, starting your business again, because you almost have to like, reframe and rebuild like all of the processes and the yeah. way that you think about it, right? It's not just yeah. a t- one problem that you have to solve. The problem is like a complete overhaul of the way that you approach it.
1: Yeah, you're exactly. trying to sell something new all of a sudden. And that's scary. I feel like that's scary for a lot of small businesses and they feel very alone in that. And I think the best thing to do is surround yourself with other, whether that's join Atomic or join another community. I think surrounding yourself with people that have the same challenges as you or have had that challenge and solved it is like one of the best things you can do if you're a small business.
2: It's, it's, those, it's those things that we always procrastinate on like if you get to that point in your business where you've got enough clients you're making enough money to live on but hey we always want more right and you've got more potential so you know let's build this business but to grow at that point you either need to fire a client to get more time back Hmm. nobody wants to do that you either need to raise your prices so that you can work less with less clients but make the same amount of money or outsource with that raised price money and nobody really likes to outsource because that's scary. You're losing control. No one wants to raise the prices. No one wants to fire. client. Right. So they're in like a really tricky spot. And you need a little bit of courage to get over those three barriers. Sure. Essentially, uh, before you can launch something new.
0: And
1: now a word from our sponsor. Don't sit in front of the screen wondering what the next step is to market your business. We've developed a wide range of templates that we call recipes for our powerful automations, emails, landing pages, and more to get you up and running quickly. And unlike that priceless pizza sauce recipe, these templates are free and available for every active campaign customer to use. You might sell pizzas in person, your widget on a website, or host hybrid fundraising functions Regardless, we've got you covered.
0: Andrew and Pete touched on the three phases of small businesses that they work with most often. Phase one, early stage, just starting. Not many sales. They need help with their offering or their sales pitch. They're learning to be more proactive rather than reactive. Then there's phase two. They've got some things figured out, but they're spending a lot of time working in the business rather than on the business. They need to scale. They need to formulate a scalable offer or a better business model. There's a need here to rely more on automation, on delegation or elimination. And then phase three, system and process inefficiencies. They have a scalable offer. They have a good handle on their positioning and the problems they solve, but they need to optimize the offer or the business systems a little more to really take them to the next level. And because of this, Andrew and Pete's community is made up of small business owners who have experience working through each of these phases. Atomic members are able to share their wins, their struggles, their insights with each other, and that helps everyone. Have you heard of the phrase, a rising tide raises all ships? That's the key benefit and value of a community. Speaking of businesses facing challenges like not having enough time or needing to streamline their processes or needing to use more automation, Active campaign has a community that all customers can join. We'll make that link available to you if you're not in there yet. Be sure to join the conversation, learn more about the tool, find some creative uses for it, share automations, ask questions. We hope to see you in there. All right, back to the interview. To what extent does the software and like different tools come in and play a role there? I mean, obviously we're an automation platform, right? We're active <laughs> campaign. our whole thing is, you know, get more done with less automate more save time Um, do you do you find that there's a lot of I don't know if it's if it's like a gap in knowledge where they don't know that they can use these tools to free up time or um, are just not using
1: them I feel like they do know that they could use tools I think getting the right tools is a challenge I think there's a bit of shiny object syndrome around tools as well well we've never really Jump from tool to tool of the new hottest thing. Like we found, we've researched, we found the one that we want to work with, mm-hmm. and like we stick with it and we make it work for us. Um, I do think it can feel a lot of work to set up the tool sometimes, yeah. especially if there are a lot of processes that they need to, that they need to do to get the tool working. Um, but I think most small businesses know that they can be doing more I, on I the tools. I don't
2: think we know exactly like what that is, though. And they know that they could, but they just want someone to tell them what that is, so for example, with us, we 've actually just moved everything over to active campaign, funnily enough, <laughs> and essentially, like one of the things that we had to do was in the membership, there's so many like processes that have to be done, and a lot of them were done manually, mm-hmm. and for us, like we can't do that because. That would just take us all our week to yeah. do all these manual processes. So we hired someone to do that. Whereas now what we've done is we've automated a lot of that work, which has saved us a ton of money on hiring people. And now we can reallocate their time and energy onto more important things as well. So it's freed up our resources, it's saved us money, it's saving us time, it reduces error. And if you, need, if you want to scale, you need you need the processes and so things like active campaign are beautiful because it's not just like an email system it's like a whole crm system that can automate a ton of the stuff that previously
1: like people Mm -hmm. like us would have to employ people to do Um, do you you think small businesses see the value in I think often they'll see tools as a cost, as a nice to have. Yeah. Where for us, like tools and getting the, the right systems and processes, it's always, we've looked at it as an investment to give us time back. And I feel like that is a bit of yeah. a mindset switch. It's like if, to it go takes,
2: through. if it takes you one hour to do something, right. but you can automate that, like how much is an hour worth? Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like you can sell, you, you could sell an hour like, I don't know, you do a coaching program, and you sell like an hour a month, and it's like 500 pounds or even 250 pounds. And you've paid like, what's the starting price for Active Campaign? Like, you, you can get like a $9 starting plan, right? Yeah. So, hey, that is a massive return on investment. Yeah. It's
0: a no brainer for us. The, well, the, the idea that, People view it as a cost instead of an investment or a way to like get time back. I think is a is a very important point, point. Um, and that's mm. like a it's like a shift in in mindset and probably a shift in the way that we communicate um, yeah. the benefits and what you're actually buying. Right, it is a tool, but it's also like you're saying an investment. It's a thing that just frees up time for you. Yeah, you're buying
1: more time. Yeah, I think people do see it as an investment when it comes to things like sending an email to my list if I'm going to sell something or like those kind of sexier part of it but like the CRM parts and the automation parts that may be not as sexy and, uh, and you could do that manually if you wanted to to save a bit mm-hmm. of money I feel like that is a distinct difference I think you touched on something
2: there as well like just uh, a campaign can do a lot like it's pretty ridiculous how much you can do it's like never-ending and which is cool because we can get our team members to like constantly build in these automations, but there's also not only this time saving thing, but the sales thing as well. Like you with Active Campaign, like you can tell when someone's been on parts of your website mm-hmm. or they, if they've if you've got a membership, like if they've not logged in, and and then send them down an automation to like say, hey, you've not logged in, like prompts them to go log back in. Because if, if they're not logging in, they're not gonna be a member for long right so it's like the retention um and there's lots of sales automation features it's like Mm mind-boggling
0: i mean we could definitely talk about active campaign all day and i (laughs) I would love that but i do want to talk to you you had mentioned the three phases of uh potential clients that come in how did you get past those phases without a community Oh. Without a
2: how,
1: Well, how would we as, without as a camera? As did was growing, mm-hmm.
0: when, when you got to those, you know, inflection points.
1: Okay, so what was phase one? <laughs>
2: phase one is you're not selling, right? You, okay. you meet like, let's say you're a graphic designer, but you've actually got no clients, or you've got, like, very few, or they're very sporadic. Right. And you're not really in control of it. You've maybe got business coming in from referrals, but, like, if the refiller doesn't come in that week you've got no business right you know you might go networking but you can't guarantee you're going to get a client so yeah so yeah.
1: how we got over that i feel like we did, we did that in two ways i think the first one was we created more content okay. we were doing a lot of things um uh like one-to-one kind of networking events and things like that to market our business and we started creating a bit a lot more content and growing the audience not necessarily the community at first it was more of an audience we were building yeah building the email list we started doing youtube videos and that went really well the second thing was we were got a lot more proactive with sales like we didn't just wait for sales to come to us we started trying to trigger people in our audience to actually like raise their hand and tell us, you know, you know what, like, I might be interested in buying from you guys. And then we could follow up with those people a lot more. And we've actually got this double it rule that says the amount of time you spend on growing an audience, you should spend twice as much time on converting that audience into sales. Even if you've got 10 people in that audience, yeah. like if you've got 10 people on your email list, Rather than spending all your time trying to get another 10 people, like, talk to those 10 people. Try to get one of them to buy something. Yeah. You'll learn, like, a lot more from that than you will trying to just get new people in the top. That's interesting, like, you, you hear all the time, it's like,
0: it costs X amount more to get a new customer than to have a, a current customer become a repeat customer. There's, like, a weird middle part, I feel like, that you're talking about, where it's like, it costs less to get someone who's already in your audience to buy than somebody...
1: Exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm.
2: So the the second phase was the the scaling problem. It's like, okay, now we've got customers, but our income is limited because we can only do as much as our time allows.
1: Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. So we need to come up with a more scalable model. That's that's when we launched Atomic, basically. But what we're starting to see, we launched Atomic way too early. Uh, we didn't have a big enough audience to support it, okay. which kind of killed our growth because not only did we have to continue to grow our audience and make Atomic better and try and sell Atomic, but also not only like, keep the customers in Atomic, but also get money from somewhere else because yeah. like, 10 people in a membership ain't paying you much. Right. Right? So then we had to like, do one-to-one work as well. So that was like a really tough period. And what we would actually suggest to people is keep increasing your prices, keep increasing the demand by growing your audience for as long as possible. And then there's almost like this little sweet spot of like semi scalable we're calling it. So it's like group programs, accelerators, masterminds, guided one-to-one courses where it's not a hundred percent of your time but you can sell them for kind of like higher ticket. Mm. Or maybe it's something like, one of our friends has just launched like a, a, like a we'll build your funnel for you service. So it's like five grand. And she helps them figure out what that funnel is gonna be. And then her team goes and builds that funnel. So it's a done for you service, but it's highly scalable because it only takes her like a few hours a client essentially right but she's got she's making a lot of money from each client so it's it's not fully scalable but it's semi scalable at this point and very very profitable so that's a really good sweet middle ground as well
0: do you have any um, tips for for small businesses who are kind of at that point where they're looking for maybe a way to like how do you approach your current offering in, in a way that reveals opportunities to make it scalable are
1: there like questions to ask yourself or We mapped out all of our income streams. We had too many income streams at one point, so we mapped them all out and we extrapolated over like the next five years. Like if we did really well on all of these, like which one has the most potential? Mm. And doing that like was quite, eye-opening for us it was like right we've got all of these different income streams all of these different offerings really it's like this one has the most potential at this point why are we only spending 20% of our time on this so um, we dropped a lot of the stuff and we went all in on Atomic Atomic was our only offering for like two years and like in that time we made way more money than we were when we had like three or four different offerings wow i i think that that's i, I love that it. it's like yeah yeah it's well, like where should
0: we be investing it's like they platform? say
1: it with um content like and when, when it comes to content and social media and like marketing projects it's like do one thing at a time like get that up and running get that working right grow the audience and move the audience to another platform i think that's a sensible strategy but i think that's also true of, of of what we're offering. Like if we're trying to grow like four or five different income streams and none of them are particularly growing, like I think you need to look at those income streams and say like, which ones yeah. do, we, do we need to drop? And again, it goes back to this, why community yeah. is important because doing that is scary. Like we had to get rid of clients. We took a bit of an income dip like immediately yeah. when we got rid of all of those clients. But like, we always try to put things back to, logic and numbers rather than emotions and like and um like gut feeling that's the that's the big struggle right yeah yeah. (laughs) awesome um okay so as we're kind of
0: coming to a close here you work with small businesses entrepreneurs all the time if there is someone who's like just getting started and is having a, a bit of a rough go with it but they know that this is what they want to do what advice do you do you have for them
1: um i feel like it is always going to be a little bit rough i feel like it's never smooth sailing and kind of getting used to the rough is is good i think yeah embrace 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 the rough, embrace the rough. Yeah, failures the f- and- yeah like you're gonna constantly be trying new things failing at new things try not to be so hard on yourself if things fail um, you will find it eventually, the, the, the sweet spot, but then you'll probably have a few more failures after that.
2: <laughs> I think I would say,
1: like,
2: if something's not working, then stop doing it. Mm. <laughs> I know that sounds really simple, but a lot of people are like, I've got this strategy, I've got this plan, I've got this service idea, I've got this offering, and that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And they will blindly follow that strategy consistently thinking like if I'm just consistent enough it will pay off and it won't you don't just magically like take off if you're consistent that only happens if you consistently improve everything right so if you're posting content and it's not getting like any engagement then don't keep posting the same stuff right (laughs) right if you spend one hour a week on content and your audience is not growing don't keep spending one hour a week. If you've got an offering and you tell people and they don't get excited, stop offering that service. Nobody wants it. Like, So yeah, if something's not working, don't just bury your head in the sand.
0: Like we did for a long, long time. <laughs> if, it's, if it's a failure, don't be afraid of it because they're always gonna happen, right? Exactly. You just gotta keep, keep moving. Awesome, well, Pete and Andrew, thank you so much. Okay, so Pete and Andrew said some interesting things there about tools and about investments. Oftentimes, we look at software tools as costs, right? It's $1,500 a year, or it's $30 a month, or it's a $3,000 one-time fee, something like that. But here's a question for you. How much is an hour worth? How much is a day worth to you? What about two days, a week, a month? Time is your most valuable asset. And software tools are designed to help you save time, especially the ones that help with automation. Software tools, like ActiveCampaign, help save you time. And depending on your willingness to get in and develop your use of the tool, that time can quickly add up to weeks or months out of the year. Do the arithmetic. Suddenly, a $1,500 a year investment seems like a pretty fair trade if that tool helps you save two weeks' time worth of work. It's the same concept with a washing machine or a dryer. I mean, how long would it take you to do your laundry by hand every week? Or how much time and money would you spend if you took your laundry to a laundromat every week? What about a dishwasher? What about a microwave? It's an investment of money, sure, but it's for a tool that saves you time by doing the work for you. And Pete and Andrew's final piece of advice? Don't be afraid of failure, but don't ignore it either. In order to try anything new, you have to risk failing at it. You have to risk being bad at it. I mean, that's the only way you can truly learn and grow. But you also have to keep your eyes open and think about why a particular endeavor might have failed. Test, tweak, try again, fail again. And don't be afraid to pivot to something completely different if you've tried and tested a particular thing multiple times over a significant amount of time. Because if you keep trying, failing, learning, tweaking, trying again, you'll get to a point of success. And that's our show. Until next time, I'm Ernie. This is Plantasia. This has been Growth Decoded. Go forth and automate. Thanks for listening to Growth Decoded to Go. For the latest updates on Growth Decoded and links to the live show, you can sign up to be a part of the Grow team at activecampaign.com slash events slash growth hyphen decoded.